Now, let's get into what we're talking about here, because this, this is our new series, It's Time to Recharge. Here's what, here's what we're talking about. This little phone of ours that I think most of us have one of these, this little phone of ours, man, we can't do anything without this phone. We can't do anything. We panic when we've lost it. And then we, we call, someone call my phone, you know, and we're looking around for you. Oh, I'm gonna, you guys that are cool have their watches at all. I'm going to ping my phone, you know, because we got to have this around somewhere. We got to have it. And what happens when this thing gets down to about 25% of its battery? We panic. You know, it's like, it's like what's wrong with you? Nothing. My battery's down to 25%. And I don't know what to do. Because if it gets under 20%, now it's close. You know, guys like me that have the old ones, that means I got about 10 minutes left when it's 20%, you know? But whether you have the old one or new one, you know that you're close. And what are we doing, man? We are looking everywhere for a charger. We're looking everywhere for an outlet. We're panicked if we're going on a plane at 20% because that's only going to last half. And then what do I do? I got to read one of those weird old things called a magazine? Oh, I don't know how to do that. You know, what in the world do we do if we don't have this thing all charged up? We can't live a day without this thing. We go into depression when it goes into, when it's, when it's dead at the end, you're just, it's dead. Now what do I do when I go to the bathroom for the next 10 minutes? We don't know what to do. It, it has to be alive. We have to plug it into something to make it alive so that we can be alive again. And we're so dependent on this thing. We all know it. We were talking about this and we're going, what if, just, just to play along with me, what if every one of us had a little symbol right here, right on our chest, right on the outside of our clothes, right here? What if we had a symbol that was our battery in our life? What if, what if you right now could look to the person next to you and tell how they're doing by their battery? You can look at them and go, oh, I see you're a little drained. You're at 18%. You're at 22%. You're at 70%. What in the world are you doing, you know? If we looked at each other and looked at what, where we're at, where would you be? Think of your number. Okay, now be honest. Where would you be? Don't, you're not trying to impress anybody in your brain, you know? Where would you be? You know, I know that right now it's in, we're entering into November. Our college students, they got to be at like 8%. Because, you know, they're in the middle of, of coming into now midterms into finals. Finals are coming. I know you don't want to think about it, but they are. See, now you're at 8%. Now you're at 7 Just went down to 7 you're, We're Each one, you, you know, parents of little kids, you're at 4 You know, you can't handle it at all right now because they're just continuing. You got some of you guys have jobs that have pulled you down to about a 22 some of you've got, you have, 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 are dealing with physical stuff that you've got going on in your life and you're down at, at 16. I would guess that most of us are not putting ourselves above 50. But do we look to charge up? Do we look to recharge? Do we look to plug into a power that's greater than ourselves? We don't. We don't do that. Instead, we have learned how to live at 20%. Sometimes we even learn how to shift it into to airplane mode. So, and I can't, I, I, don't get to, I can't do anything, but at least I'm not dead. And we just accept that. At least I'm not dead. Isn't that true? 
And yet we've got access to a power so much greater than us to recharge. And we don't say, I can't go a day without that. We'll go weeks without it. You'll come into church and we'll go, I mean, I sure hope this guy does pretty good up here. That'll charge me up to 72%. And three weeks later, maybe, I'll, maybe it'll get back up there again. We, are, we have access to a power far greater than us. But for some reason, we're choosing to live at 20%. What we want to do this, 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 through this series is we're going to actually look at, we're going to look, go through the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the people in, the, to, to, in Philippi, to the Philippians. And we're going to, we, what our goal is, what Jim and I and Aisha is going to preach during this series too, and what our goal is, is we want at the end of this month, as you head into the month that really drains us in the month of December, we want you to head into this month going, what would it look like that we, if we actually walked in here and you saw that, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I'm at 70, 80%. I'm doing pretty good. What would it look like that we actually were recharging? And not just if we saw that on a Sunday, but if you saw it on a Wednesday or a Thursday, you're still there. And it's not just because of what happened on a Sunday, but it's because of what's happening in your life as we're recognizing the power that's right there to plug into. That's what we want to do over this, this next month. Today we're going to get started by looking at the life of Jesus. We're going to hold off on Philippians for this first one, and we're going to look a little bit at the life of Jesus and what happened in one of his days. Father, we pray that you would help us to be honest with ourselves. God, there's people in here that are drained. There's people in here that are barely holding on. That it is so far into the red, they're not sure what to do. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to figure out what it looks like not to accept that place, but to see how we can plug in to what you have for us. Help us as we walk in that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through a, 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 a day in the life of Jesus. It happens in Matthew chapter 14. In one chapter, you're going, to, you're going to get to see Jesus in all his humanness and Jesus in all of his godliness. You get to see him. You get to see some of the struggle that he has as a, as a, as a human being. And then you get to see the, the power that he has as, as God's son. And some of the miracles that you see in this are ones that, that many people will recognize. But you also see some of the struggle that he went through in this one day. We want to just look at it and see what... How did Jesus handle the demands of a day? Okay? Here's what's happening. Jesus is up in Galilee, and his good friend John, John the Baptist, is down in Jerusalem. While Jesus is doing his work up in Galilee, he wakes up one morning, he's doing his work up in Galilee. John the Baptist is down in Jerusalem, and he's getting into it with Herod. John was one of Jesus' good friends. John was someone that Jesus knew since birth. John was, was, one, was Jesus' second cousin or so. John, John is someone that, that paved the way for Jesus to do what Jesus was doing. He's the one that said, let's make straight the paths because the king of kings is coming. So John the Baptist was doing Jesus' work. Well, he got into it with Herod in Jerusalem. And Herod got so mad at him that ultimately, it tells the story in, in, in Matthew 14, and I'll summarize it, ultimately, he ends up killing John the Baptist. He ends up putting him to death. And they beheaded him, of all things. And so, so, so one of John's friends gets, sees what happened, they bury John, and then they have to go to Jesus. And they go tell Jesus this news. Now, you guys, we have to see Jesus not as, oh, he already knew because he's God. we got to look at this. Jesus is in this moment. This person comes to him, 
And he says, John was killed. Look at how Jesus responds. He says, when Jesus got the news, he slipped away by boat to an out-of-the-way place by himself. So Jesus had to get off by himself. He hears this news, and he's going, uh, I got to go spend some time. He leaves what he was doing. He gets to the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is huge. I was there. It looks like the ocean. and a lot. I mean, it's, it's massive. And so Jesus gets on this boat, and they don't just sail across the Sea of Galilee. They go around different parts of it so they can get from here to here without having to walk around it this way. He goes this direction. When Jesus gets into the boat to go be by himself, somebody sees him. And they say, Jesus is right there. And it looks like he's heading right over there, maybe towards Tiberias or something. He's going right over there. If we can meet him here, we'll, we'll meet him when he gets to shore. And so they tell some other people and some other people start to gather. And so now on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a mob of people are gathering. And Jesus is coming in, hoping that he can find some time by himself to process what just happened. If you're in the boat right there, you're Jesus, what do you do? Don't you just kind of go, oh, shoot, the wind started blowing me this way, and now I'm heading over here. Don't you just kind of stay out in the boat? But Jesus did something different. He looked at it, and this is what it says. When he saw them coming, he was overcome with pity, and he healed their sick. He, he, he saw them, and he cared. And he went to him. Instead of turning that boat away, he went to the shore and started taking care of these people. The problem is it wasn't just 10. It grew to 50. It grew to 100. More and more people started gathering. It grew to 1,000. Then it grew bigger than that. And so Jesus, for the rest of the day, is healing people, engaged in people, having conversation with people. He's, he's sitting with people. For the rest of the day, Jesus is working with these people, healing them and spending time with them. In the meantime, he still knows my friend John just died. At the end of that day, in the, as the evening came, the disciples stop and say, Jesus, we got to go because these guys are getting hungry. And this is the moment that, that some loaves of bread and some fish were pulled out and Jesus fed 5,000 people. He fed 5,000. The 5,000 that gathered because he came in off the shore when he wanted to be alone. He fed all those people, fed them all. When he got done, this, he, he, this is what it says. When he got done, he says, as soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get to the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. You guys just get into the boat and go to the other side. When the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Now picture his day. Finds out he's doing something in that morning. Finds out that his friend John has, has, has been murdered by Herod. He goes off and he's, 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 you know, he goes off on a boat by himself, but the crowds gather. They, they want a piece of Jesus, and so he's, he's, he's healing them. He, he sends the disciples off. He goes up to a mountainside alone and prays till late into the night. But then the disciples are on their boat, and the wind starts kicking up. The Bible says it's like four in the morning. Matthew says it's like four in the morning. And Jesus comes down off the mountain 
walks on the water, maybe couldn't find a boat, walked on the water instead, walked on the water, invited Peter out. Peter walked on the water. They both walked back to the boat. They both got into the boat. He calms the storm. The disciples say, you are God. Not because of all the things he did when he fed 5,000 people with some fish sticks and Wonder Bread, but because he actually, he, he, because he walked on water. That's what made him think that. So, so, so get this. So at the end, he finally is with his disciples. This is, see, we always hear that miracle, but we don't know what happens next. What would you want to see happen next? If you're Jesus or even the disciples, it's been a long day. It's what, five, six in the morning now. What would you, how would you want this day to end? They float to shore. They go back to their room. He puts his head on a nice little down pillow. And he gets some sleep. That's how you'd want it to end. But instead, the, the way this thing ends is, is, a, is, a, is just a little bit of a, of, a, of a help to all moms and single moms and single dads that are overwhelmed and, and, and just, I can't, the demand just keeps on coming. This next thing Jesus is saying to you all, I get you. I get your pain. Because look at what it says. Look what happens when he gets to shore. On return, they beached the boat at Jacinta. That's in the Sea of Galilee. When the people got wind that he was back, they sent out word through the neighborhood and rounded up all the sick who asked for permission to touch the edge of his coat, and whoever touched him was healed. He just kept going. He gets back to the shore, and they literally tug on his shirt. They're tugging on it just to touch his cloak to, cloak to, to say, now I can be healed. Jesus comes back and they're tugging on him. The demands kept coming. Our demands keep coming. You can't stop them. They'll keep tugging on our shirt. But what do we do? See, Let's not make the mistake in thinking because Jesus was the Son of God, he had an automatic battery that stayed on 100% the whole time. No, because if we do that, we miss the pattern of behavior that Jesus did in his life, which was always recharge. We know that he was charged up when he even heard about John the Baptist because, because when he heard about it, he, he, you know, he went off to, to spend some time by himself. And you know that drained that battery a little bit. But the fact that he could respond to those people on the shore, the, the fact that he could respond with care shows something. See, our actions show a lot of where we're at and where our battery is at. And the fact that he didn't just go, oh, the heck with them. I'm, I'm dealing with my own stuff. The fact that he's there, there's something, he must have been pretty charged up. But that day, he spent that day with all those people. At the end of the day, you know he had to be physically exhausted. You know he had to be mentally exhausted. He had to be relationally exhausted. You know how that is when you just get relationally exhausted where you're going, I can't talk to anybody else. I can't talk to anybody else. You know that's how Jesus had to be. And when the disciples said, come on out on the boat with us, he says, I insisted. He says, he insisted. No, you guys keep going. No, but you, got, you don't realize. You see what we just did with all that fish and all that bread. He's going, no, no, you go. You go. I'm going to go up and spend some time with my dad. And so he goes up on a mountainside. He might as well have brought a plug-in, a, a charger, and an outlet. He might as well have done that because he gets up on that mountainside. And what's he do? He plugs in. He recharges. 
he goes from a depleted battery and he recharges and he spends some time with his dad and he goes through the grief and he goes through what just happened when feeding those 5,000 people. He goes through that day and he recharges till late in the night. Enough that it's almost, you can almost picture him going, the wind is blowing, my friends are out there, they're panicked again, here I go. And you could just picture him just saying, all right, I'm back charged up. I'm going to walk out there and we'll take care of this. And even when we get done, I'll still get tugged, but I'm ready for it. Our demands keep coming. We get tugged. Our kids are tugging at us. Our, even when your kids are a lot older, they're still tugging at you. Our job is tugging at us. Our roommates are tugging at us. Our, our, our spout, your spouse is tugging at you. They're tugging at you. The grades are tugging at you. They just keep pulling. And we're not very good at recharging. I know we're not very good because of the way we respond. Because a lot of the times, the way we respond to that continued demand that we can't get away from is, is we respond. I, I, just, I just wrote a few of these things down. We re- respond with a silent frustration. Isn't it, don't we? Silent frustration. Sometimes we respond with bad decisions that we make. We just respond with an overall bad mood. Respond with bad relationships that we, we start to have. We respond, respond with chronic exhaustion. We respond with, we, we do what we love, but we don't love what we do. I mean, isn't that true for some of us? That you're in the heart of doing something that you love, but you're not finding your love what you're doing. We feel weak in areas that we used to be strong in. We, we have unnecessary conflict. Man, I know, you know that. I mean, Jackie and I do that every once in a while where it's like, why are we fighting over this? It's just unnecessary conflict that we have. We start talking in hyperboles. We start talking in, you know, I'll never. You, you, you get mad at your kid and you say, you will never get to watch TV again, ever. And when you go, where did that come from? Ah. Uh, uh, maybe my battery's a little dead. <laughs> that that's the way we respond. We shift it into airplane mode and we just accept that this is just the way we are. I know this because two weeks ago this happened with me and I, and I just know it when I'm, respond- when I'm responding that way, I know my battery is dead. A couple of weeks ago, I was in here on a Saturday and I had been in here, it was like four Saturdays in a row that I was in here because I work on my talks on Saturdays too. And so I was in here on one Saturday and the next Saturday I was in here and then it was the Chief Hayes Project, so I was in here that Saturday and then the next Saturday came up. So it was like four or five weeks in a row of, of, of being here in the building on a Saturday and it was the day before our baptisms. And so we had this big platform out here and we had the hot tub sitting out here. It was, that, it was the day before that. I had just gone to see a friend at the hospital and I came back here to the church and I just wanted to check the water level and make sure it's, it's warm because the next day was baptism. It gets cold in here. So I want to check the hot tub to make sure it was warm. I came up to the hot tub and there's no water in it. And so I'm going, oh, okay. All right. Here's what you got to do. You got to hook up a hose way out there. You got to run it all along the side here, run it up to here, put it into the, into the hot tub, go back over there, turn on the water to the super, super good water pressure. You can imagine that in the old Sam's Club. It was just a trickle that comes out. And so the water comes out and now I'm sitting there holding this hose as the water is filling up this 500 gallon hot tub. Now, now, during that time, 
I just sat and prayed. Man, I prayed for you guys. I prayed for the next day and all the people that were going to be in this church and that they would have an encounter with Jesus. In that moment, I prayed over the water and the fact that people were going to have a life-changing experience as they get under that water and they make an outward expression of an inward truth and they're going to feel this water over them. I prayed over all that and it was a beautiful, beautiful morning of me getting to spend time just thinking about how powerful God was going to work the next day. And I just lied to you. (laughs) I didn't do any of that. I wish I would have. I should have. If I was in a good space, I would have. You know what I did instead? I held that hose and said, I just want to get home. I want to go watch the Huskies. I want to go watch the Buffs. In fact, I don't care what game it is. I'll take Wake Forest in Connecticut. I'll take a dumb ACC game just so I can get home and watch a little football instead of stand here holding this stupid hose. That's the thought I had in my head. I was so mad. I went home that day and I'm going, I am tired of Saturdays in the church. I was, that's where I was at. The next morning comes. It snows, you guys. Baptism Sunday, it snowed. I'm out shoveling the sidewalk at 6.30 in the morning, and I'm going, and, and you know what? I, to be honest with you, I actually like shoveling, and I like sweeping because it's therapeutic for me. I always, no matter where we go as a church, I'll always want to grab a broom every once in a while and sweep. I was out shoveling. It wasn't therapeutic that morning. I'm just, I'm just going, this is stupid. I can't believe I'm here. You know, I'm just shoveling the dr- walk. You know, I get done. We, we, the baptisms happen and everything is great and it was an awesome day of baptism except one thing. Jim DeBaker, he gets baptized and as he's coming out of the water, Jim Candy stands here going, that's awesome, you know. I'm the only one picking him up out of that hot tub. I'm the only one doing the work. Jim's doing nothing. I'm doing everything. I'm like straining to get him out, you know. Every bit of muscle was being shown. So I'm carrying this guy out of this hot tub, and my back was killing me the rest of the day. And now I'm frustrated at all of it. It's Monday, I come up, and you know what I did on Monday? I took Monday off, and you know what I did? Nothing. I did nothing. But it wasn't a good nothing. It was a bad nothing. You know how you do bad nothings where you just don't do anything, and you just feel stupid? It was one of those where I'm just watching stupid movies. I watched The Patriot for like the 400th time. I I memorized that movie, and I'm watching that through the morning. And then I picked up Fortnite in the afternoon. I started playing Fortnite because my kids play it. I get killed in 10 seconds, and I'm doing that 42 times. I'm like, what am I doing? The next morning I come to church, I come here, and I'm going to lead our staff. And I read this passage. And I thought to myself, how in the world can I lead if I'm so depleted? And I asked them what they, how they respond to this. And to a person, they talked about how they struggle to recharge. And they'll go weeks without recharging. And I started thinking about us, all of us, and how much we struggle with recharging. How long we can go and try to make it. How much we just go, I think I can do this. And we don't. And we don't. And we live in those places that I described. I don't know why we don't. Maybe maybe it's because we just don't know how. But I don't even know if I want to take that step to learn. Or maybe you do know how, but you just don't want to take another step. I don't want to have to do that. I don't have to do anything. 
And so we just stay depleted. We stay on the red. Well, Jesus interrupts this for us. Jesus comes to us and he tells us something. He says, you guys, you know what? He says, I am, I am the phone. I mean, I am the charger. I am the outlet. I am the power. And you guys are the phone. That's what he says to all of us. Now, he doesn't say it in, in our terms now. He says in his term, his agricultural community. So he says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Have you ever really, some of you that have heard that a thousand times, have you, ever heard, have you ever thought about really what that means? I am the vine and you are the branches. My mom's a horticultural consultant and a master gardener. I love saying that. I brag about my mom. I do that all the time in here. My staff makes fun of me for it. I know what this means because my mom has taught me. She taught me that, that the plant grows and then, and then the energy goes towards those branches. It goes towards them. I was at home this last weekend and my, as talking to my dad, I went home this last weekend because, you know, every once in a while, even a person in their late 40s needs to go home and see mom and dad every once in a while. I need to be recharged, so I went home and saw mom and dad. And I went home and I talked to my dad. I said, dad, I said, because my dad used to grow these massive, massive pumpkins because he learned it from my mom how to do this. And I said, how did you do this? He grew, I'm talking massive pumpkins, you guys. It's, it's, a, it's this. He grew, I'm serious. He grew that. Look at this is the proof of it. Look at this. That's my dad. 510 pounds. He's entered it in the Spokane Interstate Fair and won first place. 510 pounds. 510 pound pumpkin. I said, Dad, how did you do that? And he says, it takes a lot of special care. He says, the plant comes out, and he says, that, that's the vine. And he says, there the, the branches off. And he says, if there's one that's got that flower, and he says, you got to cut the other ones. And that one, all the energy will go towards it, and that pumpkin will grow. And then you tend to the soil, a sermon about four weeks ago. You tend to the soil, and then you get to this pumpkin, and this pumpkin can continue to grow as that energy keeps going towards it. And he's going, and Jesus is saying, I am the vine, and you are the branches. I am the power source. Charge up. Connect to me. Connect to me. Because there's fruit at the end of that branch that other people can be blessed with. And it's going to be far greater than you could ever picture Go back to that picture before. It's far greater than anything you could picture is the fruit that can come on the end of this thing if you allow me to be the energy source that, that feeds it right to you. He, say, he says this, he say, but he's, then he, come, he keeps going and he says, he says, but apart from me, apart from me, now listen to this next part, because this is what we argue with. We argue with God. We tell God, I don't believe you with the way we live our life, what he says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Well, I can do a little bit. No, no. You can do nothing apart from me. You, you want to step into your marriage more and 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 and. and have fruit in your marriage, you want, to, you want to invest in your wife more, apart from me, you can do nothing. In your relationships, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we hear that? Nothing is what he's saying. And we fight it, and we see the exhaustion and the lack of motivation, the frustration and the cynicism and all that stuff. And then we go, 
I think maybe I need to be recharged. Jesus says this later on, and, then, and this is in now in John 15. He says later on, he says, now abide in me. He uses a word that we don't use very often. He says, abide in me. The message version of that says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, when you're plugged into that power source, the relationship is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant, separated. You can't produce a thing. Do you hear that invitation? Make your home in me. Make your home in me. Hang up the pictures. Settle in right here. This is you and me. I've made my home in you, and now I'm giving you this beautiful invitation. Make your home in me. Abide in me. Make your home in me. John Piper says this. He says, I think the essential meaning of our act of abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. Believing is an attachment to, a coming to Jesus, and a receiving from Jesus. It's trusting in Jesus, remaining in fellowship with Jesus, connecting to Jesus so that all that God is for us in him is flowing like a life-giving sap into our lives. That's number one. Abiding is believing, trusting, savoring, resting, and receiving. That doesn't happen once every three weeks. That doesn't happen once a week. Believing, trusting, savoring, resting, receiving. Making your home in me. That's today and that's tomorrow as we recharge. And it's the next day as we recharge again. How do we do it? He didn't say abide in me and then here's your seven steps. He didn't say that. He just said make your home in me. I think he's saying, talk to me, maybe a little bit more. First Thessalonians says, pray continually. That doesn't mean just pray long, long prayers. In fact, those are the ones that Jesus said, don't, don't pray like the, the people that are just going to make it about themselves. He just said, just talk to me more often. Let's be honest in our prayer. Talk to me. Abide in me. Make your home in me. Spend some time in my word. Some of you have never once stepped into, into the Word of God. And some of you guys did a long time ago, and you just haven't, you don't know where your Bible's at now. Find it. Spend some time in my Word. And don't start in Leviticus. If you've never started a Bible before, don't start in Leviticus. That's not going to charge you up. You're going to look, you're going to plug that in and go, my charger's not working. It's, Leviticus is a tough one. Someday you're going to read Leviticus and go, wow, that's charging me up too. But start in Mark. Start, start Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books that are about the life of Jesus. Start in the shortest one so you feel good when you're done. Mark. And just read about the life of Jesus and see how that might charge you up. Do this. And this is weird for a pastor to say this, you guys. Do this. Take a break from Scripture if, if Scripture is not charging you up anymore. Take a break. I know you're going, oh, that's wrong. I'm going to leave. I'll leave right now. No, well, here's what I mean. There's a lot of great books out there. Go read one. When I, when I prepare for a talk, I have a bunch of books. This is, I did not plant this for this sermon. This is my prep for this week, you know. And so I, I've got a commentary on, on Philippians and Matthew. I got uh, Gordon McDonald's A Resilient Life. Uh, Craig Rochelle's The Christian Atheist. Andy Stanley's The Principles of the Path. I got uh, uh, Brandon Hatmaker's A Mile Wide. This is what it looks like at Starbucks on a Wednesday if you ever come by and see me. It's just this, this. In Long Obedience, The Same Direction by Peterson. Uh, a Bible, uh, Love. Love Lives Here by Maria Goff, The Best Yes from Lisa Turkhurst. You guys, read those in a week. No, don't read those all in a week. Pick up a book. 
Because a lot of times, good authors will lead you back to Scripture. They'll lead you back right into the Word. But it might mean it's time for you to do that. It might mean for you to pull out Lisa Turker's book and just go, the best yes, this is what I need to do. I need to, 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 to read this one today or a chapter of this today. Go on that walk that you need to go on. Figure out what recharge looks like in your life and recharge. Not just physically. Some of you guys are good at that. You'll go, you'll go work out. Paul says physical, physical uh, training is of some value, but godliness holds value in all things for this present life and the life to come. He's going, physical training, that's good. Do that, that's good. Replenish and recharge physically your bodies. But I want you to replenish and recharge your mind. I want you to replenish and recharge your soul. I want you to replenish and recharge your heart. And that's going to take the work. The work to go do that. All right, you guys, I want to I I finish with, with this. Um, when I sat with my staff and we went through this, I talked to them, and, and, and they first were confessing their own problems with recharging. But then what happens is they started to, to, um, they start, they started to share advice with each other. They started to say, here's what we should do, or here's what you should do. And I stopped them in that, and I said, look, we've all heard that advice, We've given it, and we've told it to ourselves. But here's what we have to do. There's three gottas. You know, excuse my grammar. There's three gottas that we got to do. The first gotta is this. You got to believe you need it. You got to believe you need it. If you don't believe that you need it, if you don't believe Jesus that he's saying, if you don't believe it when he's saying you can do nothing apart from me, if you don't believe that, you won't seek this out. You will shift into airplane mode. You will do the very little that you can to keep the battery going. You got to believe that you need to hook up to a power that's greater than yourself. You got to believe that we have got to get recharged. The second you got is this. You got to believe that you have access to that power. In my weakness, I am made strong through the power of God. We've got that power. We have access to that power. And the last one is you got to believe. You got to plug in. That's the last one. You got to plug in. That can't be me that plugs you in. That can't be somebody else that plugs you in. It can't be your spouse that plugs you in. It can't be your roommate that plugs you in. It can't be your parents that plug you in. You have to do that yourself. We can encourage each other. And I want to encourage my wife to plug in. I want to encourage my kids to. I want them to encourage me to. But ultimately, I have to believe I need it. I got to believe that I have access to it. And I got to plug in. Because to be honest with you guys, I'm tired. I'm tired of so many times where I say, I don't pray very good, so I won't pray. I don't trust very much, so I won't trust. I don't retain very much of scripture, so I won't read. Jesus is just saying, come on. Make your home in me as I have made it in you. Let's recharge. Father, I pray. I pray that this this month can be a month where we we can begin a habit maybe. God, I pray that we would recognize when our batteries are low, 
We can recognize how many days we walk at 20% or at 10% or at 2%. God, help us to recognize those days and help us instead of fight through it, where all it looks like is the fight, I pray that we would surrender to it and recharge. And we recharge to your power. God, help us to set up our home in your home as you have done that with us. Help us, Lord, to learn what abide means and that we would actually live it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together.